Hello and welcome to this episode 44 of the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack and I'm recording this on Thursday the 14th of September 2017. If you've already listened to the last couple of episodes, you'll know that they were recorded with magazine makers at the Indicon magazine conference in Hamburg at the end of last month. This week's episode is the last one we're going to play from Hamburg, and so it seemed fitting that after talking to some of the guests, this time we're focusing on two of the event's organisers. Us Spindler and Malta Brennison head up a large team of people who make Indicon happen, and they're also co-editors of Gentle Rain magazine and co-founders of Die Bruder, a creative agency based in Hamburg and Berlin. I caught up with them at the end of the first day, and as you'll hear, there were a hundred odd magazine fans dotted around the place, eating, drinking, and enjoying the summer evening. I love the way that Indicon feels like a genuinely indie enterprise, and Malta and Us speak about how they've managed that, beginning from their MA studies and gradually growing this thing over the years. These days, of course, they're both magazine makers and magazine industry commentators, and it was really interesting to hear their thoughts on the various pressures faced by independent publishers. At one point, Us quotes Sebastian Prantz from Fro Magazine, who said during his presentation that independent publishing is more like a culture than a market, and I think that Us and Malta have done a great job of putting themselves at the heart of that culture in a very authentic and meaningful way. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation recorded at the end of August with the two of them. All right, so I'm here with Urs Spindler and Malta Brennison from, well, from Indicon and from Gentle Rain. Congratulations on another lovely Indicon. Thank you. Thanks, man. And <laughs> we're also from Die Brüder, which is the brothers in English. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. So the, we, like, yeah. we've got to add in the Die Brüder as well. Yeah. So, so explain for anyone who has not been here before what those three things are and how they all fit together. Well, I think you need, maybe need an outsider's perspective <laughs> to really figure that out. But uh, from our perspective, it's quite simple. Um, Die Brüder is a company we started and it's called The Brothers because, because we started this, it together with our brothers uh, and this small company like a small editorial and design studio uh, based in Hamburg and in Berlin uh, is basically doing all of these things. So we do Gentle Rain which is a city magazine about Hamburg which tries to like um, rope in global conversations I'd say or um, yeah somehow bring together this local perspective in with local uh, area, eh? yeah, something like that and um, and IndieCon uh, is just uh, yeah, basically the thing we do instead of a hobby uh, <laughs> um, we, yeah, we try to bring publishers uh, together like independent publisher, pub- publishers from all over the world I'd say uh, so uh, and we do it once a year uh, here in Hamburg so there's about 150 people sitting around us right now, talking, eating, uh, first day's just over, uh, and uh, I think it was quite okay. It was great, it was really good fun. How did all of this start? Where did this all come from? Oh, I think it was uh, <laughs> in a drunk night, no, 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 uh, like uh, five years ago or something, uh, Urs and I met um, uh, at the University of Hamburg, we studied journalism, um, 
and were thinking of uh, a master's degree uh, and we wanted to do something that is not really how do you say that in English um, put into rubbish after you've finished your studies and so we went to a local um, bookstore in a local kiosk um, and were just staring at the magazines uh, and somehow figured out that there are differences between like the big publishing houses stuff and of course the independent magazines and up to then just very few people um, in science coined um, indie mags as a term sort of for this whole genre and that's where we started to jump in uh, and did this um, uh, our master thesis and so you, you you put together your masters on mm -hmm. independent magazines yeah. or, and the difference between independence and the mainstream yeah I think basically. Uh, well I think the, um, uh, what we realized is that there's like a whole bunch of publications out there that's high class that's produced like a, a, a professional magazine or maybe even better um, that are well designed that are well written but they don't come out of big publishing houses. There's sometimes there's only five names in the uh, in the uh, imprint. So uh, uh, that's what was basically uh, yeah what, what got us thinking. Okay, who are these guys? Who are these people? So uh, we we started collecting these magazines and we put them on the blog on the blog. And some at some point people started sending us magazines. Uh, and uh, we said, okay, this is just great. We but we really want to meet them and so and that was of course after uh, the studies and we thought hey there's this little design office uh, by accident and, and editorial office uh, here in Berlin and why don't we bring together people that are in print so um, yeah that was the idea of the first uh, IndieCon in 2000 when was that? <laughs> 2013 13 yeah so four years ago you put on the first IndieCon events yeah you're essentially two master's students who finished your studies and want to kind of take things further. I mean, most, most yeah. people at that stage don't say, I know, let's put on a conference that brings people from all around the world. Yeah, well, I, I think it, it kind of developed in stages. One thing is we already started working together as the Bruder during our studies. So one year before we finished uh, our uh, thesis, we already worked together in different projects. So we already had like a, a backing. We had like um, my brother Malte on board. We at that time also had Malte's brother Arno on board. We had uh, like our kind of spiritual brothers, uh, Martin and Philip on board. So we were already kind of a team. And uh, uh, Malte and my brother, for example, always like used to organize events, used to organize small fairs, so there was like a, a bit of experience. Nelly, the, the girlfriend of Martin, she uh, she had some experience in event planning, uh, so this somehow there was like a bit of a background, but we certainly had no idea of, of how to do it. And uh, the first IndieCon was just like, I think we had a budget of 5,000 euros or so, and it was just thrown together with a lot of sweat, and we asked all our friends to help. Uh, and uh, friends and family and yeah. yeah, but I mean it's it's still a little bit like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. You guys look much less stressed the, the tonight <laughs> than you did back then. You, I can see this thing has like grown and matured, and you've got a team around you now. This is kind of like this is a professional undertaking now. Like this is what you do. Yeah, for at least three or four months in a year, um, we are taking our time to organize the Indicon. I mean, it's not what pays our 
built, but uh, in the end, it's what's um, what we are, um, yeah, where the heart is, you know. And we are we are all somehow publishers. We are now experiencing the field with our own magazine, and I think the best way you can proceed and get better in whatever you do around a magazine um, is meeting people mm. and that somehow I ex experienced in the field or are experts what, whatever they do I mean there are several over here around us right now yeah the thing is yeah I mean it's just uh, that's one thing that we really only realized since we've been doing IndieCon is that uh, in independent publishing uh, actually Sebastian Pranz of Pro Magazine coined that phrase that it's more like a culture than a market uh, and people are really uh, eager for exchange uh, they they are open to talk about their their way of working they're open to talk about their methods to share their methods uh, to share their experiences and uh, uh, we've definitely learned a lot I mean uh, there's so much influence of other publications in in what we do and uh, yeah I think well we, we greatly benefited from this from doing this and I hope uh, that also goes for many of the guests and for many of the visitors here yeah and you, you've tapped into it really well because you're right independent magazines have that very collegiate uh, like collaborative approach where if you, if you ask somebody how do you do this actually nine times out of ten they'll tell you how you do it because they're like people want to help each other along and I think that you've really continued that spirit you like you can tell that this is a passion project you can tell this is something you care about so who have you had speaking today and what is the theme of the weekend what, what's everyone here for uh, so what are we going I mean we we try to theme every IndieCon a little bit um, just to like put a focus on a certain issue because making a magazine is like a very complex process and there's a lot of stuff that you at some point maybe want to get into deeper but uh, this year we felt that um, apart from all technicalities apart from all budgeting and everything uh, there's uh, that we are in a, at a time right now where there's a lot of stuff happening in the world like uh, um, elections in the US, Brexit vote, uh, like ongoing war in Syria, um, like the, the like um, uh, yeah the re refugee crisis or like mass migration, um, like uh, yeah that's so much happening in the world and uh, we just thought about this idea. Okay, we always we always ask ourselves, what does our work really do to maybe I don't know benefit others? What does it what does it contribute to society? And that's basically the question we just handed on <laughs> to this great, uh, yeah, to this great group of publishers and smart people who will try to find some answers at this weekend. And I mean, we heard a talk again of the Sebastian earlier, but we also heard the talk of uh, Justinien and Isabel of Migrant Journal earlier. We've got some real uh, interesting proposals how to tackle complexity with. Uh, with a complex medium, for example, or uh, for ex or or how to um, uh, yeah, pa what importance it has to pass on knowledge and methods, how to publish your own voice um, f when you're at some point in a situation where it's not um, where well it's not uh, the, the the standard that you have free speech, for example. So um, yeah, I think uh, so. That's what it, this year is going to be about. 
to the topics, main topics like impact, magazines that matter, magazines that make a difference. Uh, um, and yeah, the whole weekend is going to evolve around this, and I'm still I'm really looking forward to what's going to be up tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that looking at the world as it is today, it's very easy to feel quite powerless and lost, and, and, and what can we possibly do? Do you think that magazines can make a difference in that? Yeah, well, I mean, it, you, of course you can feel powerless, and even as an independent project, I mean, you say you have like 5,000 copies of your magazine, and so yes, I mean, Germany is like a tiny country, but it's still got like almost 80 million, so what, like 5,000 copies are going to change? But, well, I always think if a copy of a magazine, one copy of your magazine, changes one person's life to the better, it was already worth it. I mean, uh, talk about Engsi magazine, for example, that uh, uh, like puts like a new focus on mental health. Uh, they, they, they told a couple of stories today where you just said, okay, just for these like two or three personal experiences, it was worth it. In the bigger picture, of course, I think um, it can it really has to be a tightly knit grassroots movement to have some effect. It doesn't, it's, and I think, I, I don't think it's gonna, it's gonna change a lot if you just go along publishing your 500 copies for 10 years, even if you do it for 10 years, it's not, probably not gonna change a lot, but if you somehow connect with other people, if you build up networks, uh, and if you, for example, spread, spread the knowledge on how to publish magazines in places where it's not that common and not that easy as it is now uh, in, in the middle of Europe, um, then I think it can have some impact, yeah. So uh, then I guess the question is, how do you make these magazines and keep on making them? So, you know, how do you stop that thing from dying off? And this is something you've looked at in, uh, in a previous edition of the conference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I'd say, or we'd say, most of independent publishers as we know them are not doing this for a living. Um, and this is what gives them sort of the freedom uh, they need to experience um, several fields or questions um, as we heard before um, the guys of migrant are not doing this for a living and that's why they have the space to really dive into all these topics and do this extraordinary work um, all in illustration of course in research and um, not boil it down as they mentioned it before um, to what the mail does in the UK um, so yeah uh, if there's time um, in yeah I mean in regard to social media where all is just flashing through and Trump is sort of making the news um, that's one big thing to have today I'd say and many of these of course independent publishers don't have time uh, but of course they don't do it for, for the living and that gives a lot of freedom. I mean there are a couple of people who professionalize themselves and at some point it becomes a business at some point it becomes maybe a small publishing house in itself uh, and we for example put a lot of effort into uh, making gentle rain uh, sustainable for example or into like uh, trying to earn some money with the rezo printing we do and um, because of course it makes it a lot easier if you have some funds uh, to keep your project going um, so um, this like uh, part of being uh, of not being professional it's 
it definitely helps and it's it's really it's it's good not to have the pressure that it something has to work at the beginning and that you can take your time to develop it and stuff um, but in the end of course um, it, it helps a lot if it if it works if it somehow uh, yeah if it somehow uh, sustains itself and I mean I think projects can find very different ways to get to that point I mean some will just work out of their like magazine making basically they would just sell magazines they sell subscriptions they will maybe sell merchandise uh, but I think that's like a rare breed definitely and that's mainly I think publications they have like a very clear focus like a very clear target group there's a lot of general interest publications that more general interest publications that run on um, like a mixed model and that's basically the case with our with many of our projects as well that we have a couple of commercial projects we do for the money and then we have a lot of uh, um, projects we put our free time or our work time in uh, but it probably wouldn't be paid uh, the same way as like commercial project would have been yeah, yeah yeah and so i sense that gentle rain is probably in the latter category yeah i mean gentle rain is like a bit of both actually because uh we started the first issue i think it was great greatly influenced by uh, one of our sponsors which is uh, the city of hamburg basically uh, and uh, we we sort of tailored uh, the concept so that they would say okay we will give you this initial uh, this initial like kickstart um, but for example for the second issue they like pulled back a little and so we said okay now you're just an advertiser and we have other advertisers in the magazine as well or as we call them supporters because we don't print ads we print like small uh, pieces of editorial um, and uh, it's now it's sort of become like a, more of a like a self-sustaining project it's not depending like on one uh, big uh, client anymore and we can basically do what we want so uh, it's That's kind of really nice news. Yeah. And, the, and have you found that that changed the way that you approach the editorial that's it because it's obviously yeah. still a, a city magazine that's based in Hamburg but the, did you feel that that led you to do other things or is it essentially the same thing well, basically, in the first, in the, with the first edition, we already had a clear picture in mind, and we we were very open about it, what we wanted to do, and that was a point where the our sponsors could decide: are they on board or are they not? And we we didn't really open up the option like you can be part of the editorial team or anything, because uh, it just wouldn't fit. It just it just wouldn't work with our ethics. You can either be a we can be like a service provider and then you book us as a service provider and we can maybe design something for you or you will book us as like uh, editors and publishers and then we, we will um, uh, we will not talk very much about <laughs> content with you <laughs> probably <laughs> you get what you're given in that yeah. case yeah. I see okay yeah and so the, so thinking about the sort of features you've got in there you've got a, a piece um, I, I think by your brother um, the, on the concrete uh, buildings in Hamburg. Aye, yeah. And, the and illustrations, uh, the, the collage basically, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's based on photos by Malte and done by uh, brilliant illustrator Christian Wisniewski, a uh, good friend. And very, and very poetic responses to these like faded buildings. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's basically they are like an artist, an, artist, an artist couple. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Christian and his. Uh, his girlfriend Laura Lichtblau, it's a very poetic name as well, and uh, yeah, she basically wrote an ode to concrete uh, 
for the magazine. I mean, it's it's, like, it's all real buildings. So some of them still exist. Yeah. Some of the I think mo all of them still existed yeah. when we did the story. One of them is about to be torn down very soon, and others are like scheduled to be torn down. Uh, we just thought it would be a good. Uh, I mean, you, it, w our idea behind it was cities are changing that quickly. You have like you all people are always. Um, complaining about oh now they're going to build like a 200 meter high skyscraper in Hamburg uh, and we say okay people build like a thing that's I don't know how many thousand tons of concrete here 30 years ago and now they are tearing it down I mean it's only it's only been around for I don't think even 30 years yeah. uh, so um, it's it's a little bit like a, um, we well they are somehow it's, it's ugly a, but somehow lovely as well yeah, yeah, you get you get used to them. It's it's a bit about it's a little bit about the Asher, but also about like a certain, um, uh, yeah, certain. May, well, you can you can read in different ways, but my reading is, okay, why do you make the same mistakes again? <laughs> yeah. And so then actually you get a universal truth. So because obviously, this magazine means much more to somebody who lives in Hamburg or knows Hamburg, but you're not just after an, a readership of people in Hamburg. You, you actually want people all over the place to see this magazine. And that's like the basic idea, we try to tap in these yeah, conversations. This like in, in every capital or in every big city, that buildings are torn down and um, maybe documentary in the way we used it in the new issue um, is one way to resist. But it's, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of topics that are like, more city specific than specific to a certain location like Hamburg or London. Also, if you talk about Schanzenviertel in Hamburg and how it changed, we found a photographer, uh, Thomas Henning, for the last, last issue, who um, has been, been living there for almost 30 years. And he uh, and we basically raided his archive. Uh, and you could do the same thing, I think, with Shoreditch in London or with Westerbro in Copenhagen or with a lot of other places that kind of went through the circle of gentrification and of changes uh, so I think that's also topics that are kind of relevant to everyone who lives in a, in a major city yeah and that's yeah. why we printed in English and so everyone uh, can sort of adapt adapt <laughs> you're, you're going to try to influence people to yeah. adapt yeah. very uh, gradually <laughs> go for it. so you invite them to your conference and yeah. you influence them a Come little bit make your own magazine I see. Okay, it's a long game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm waiting that you start your own magazine. Ah oh, man, don't start me on that. I've, <laughs> I've, I've got my ideas, but I can't, I can't share those just now. I think we're going to end this conversation before I start talking about my magazine. <laughs> Maybe we can get another beer then. <laughs> Let's go get another beer and talk about that. Cheers. Thanks, fellas. Cheers. Thank you, Steve. Cheers for having us. Okay, that's it for this week. And I'd like to say thanks again to Malta and Us for inviting me over to Hamburg and for speaking with me at the end of that first busy day. We did indeed go and get another few beers and it was great fun spending time with them and so many other magazine fans. If you would like to catch a little piece of IndieCon for yourself, search for IndieMags on Facebook. All of the weekend's talks were recorded live and they're all available there now. And of course, if you would like to hear more from Stack, please do search us out on SoundCloud 
SoundCloud or iTunes. Just look for Stack Magazines and you'll find all of our previous episodes on there. And remember to follow us while you're there so that we can deliver our episodes to you as soon as they're ready. Thank you very much for listening and we'll be back with another episode next week. Thank <laughs> you.